The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast and are presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It's currently Thursday, January 26th, and it's time to go through the Australian Open semifinals. And it's definitely been a very fun tournament. Still a lot of good tennis left. And I'm your host, Scott Rachel, as always. Joined by my co-host, Sam Jacob, and together we're going to break down those two matches for you, taking place on a Thursday night into Friday morning. First of all, Sam, how's it going with you? How have you, from scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the tournament so far? Uh, it's kind of all over the place. So it's really tough, tough to say. Um, I'd say it's like more or less kind of like an average sort of tournament. We've seen a lot of Americans pull through uh, here, and we have one of them in the semifinal. So that's very exciting. So I'm gonna give it about a, I'm gonna give it a seven point eight. Okay, I was gonna give it a flat eight. So I think we're seeing eye to eye here. I think it's definitely been a very unpredictable tournament, which is something that you're not used to seeing on the men's side. Uh, I know Nadal was compromised beforehand, and we didn't expect him to do much in this event, but the fact that Rude and Fritz and all these other guys, Berrettini in the first round, all these guys lost immediately, was kind of a bit shocking, and that resulted in a lot of parity in the tournament, especially with Djokovic's injury early on. Now, Djokovic seems to be back to normal. We'll talk about that later, but the point is there was... A little while there in the tournament where it felt entirely up for grabs. And that's a feeling that I don't think we've had in a tournament in a relatively long time. So definitely a unique element there. Other than that, though, it's been very good. Uh, I think that you've seen some high quality tennis. You've seen some very competitive matches. Unfortunately, though, you did have Kyrgios who got injured before the event. And you had a couple of other guys who you were hoping would do more and apparently lost early. But I give it an eight. I think it's been a solid overall tournament. There's been a lot of upsets, a lot of drama. The only concern for me would be the constant delays with the either rain or heat. And there's been some scheduling issues for some of the events in Australia, which they're going to have to fix moving forward because some of these matches got delayed on the outer courts in the first couple rounds for an indefinite amount of hours. And it got really annoying trying to keep track of those matches. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was the weather at a point they were, they just weren't starting matches because of just uh, the timing of each match. So yeah, it got a little crazy with those, but it, I feel like it happens every single year. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. But it's, we've just seen a lot of people that you know we didn't really expect to see here. You know, Ben Shelton making the quarterfinals. We would have never expected and we haven't seen the dominant players really be up there with Medvedev obviously Djokovic we have but we haven't seen you know Medvedev or Kyrgios or Nadal being there so we got a couple of new faces um, a couple of guys that are veterans and have done pretty well in the past like um, Tsitsipas and Hoshanov but a guy like Tommy Paul is brand new to this type of stage. So it's very interesting to see. And it's also high-quality tennis, still high-quality tennis. So uh, still very good tournaments. And and we have uh, still two great matches, three great matches to break down for you. 
Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. But before I should get into any of the previews for the semis, do you want to recap how we did on the last episode? Overall, I went 1-0-1. I had a push. Starting off with the dog, I won. I had Sitsi Pass under four and a half breaks at plus 120 against uh, Leshika. Uh, that line actually closed to minus 115, and it was never in doubt. Sitsi Pass broke in the first game in the last game of the match and had no breaks in between. So he finished with two. And unfortunately, my lock was a sweat-free winner. I had Kakanov over one and a half breaks, or one and a half or two and a half. I'm trying to remember what it was. It was... Okay, either way. The point is I had, I had uh, Kakanov over in his breaks, and he had four. He went well over. And then Korda retired. Korda, midway through the third set, hurt his wrist and said, no, Moss, I can't go on anymore. Go on without me. And he proceeded to retire. And as a result, my bet, which automatically won because he went over, was graded as a push. And that is definitely a really, really sad, painful push there because I already won the bet. He went over in breaks. But, of course, with some of these props, you have to actually complete the full match and the sportsbooks won't give you any leniency there because they don't want to pay you if they don't have to. So I ended up going 1-0-1. Should have been 2-0, but a painful push there with uh, Kashanov there because Korda ended up getting injured. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to see. And with these books rules, that's why it's so important to take a look at it. But in, in this type of situation, there's nothing really you could do about it, especially you have a winning pick there. So... Uh, it's, that's just a shame to see. I went one and one. I had Korda money line, which, you know, Hashanov just outplayed him all the way and Korda decided to drop out, which is still considered a loss. We didn't get the plus side of the draw there. If, if, if uh, you bet it with the local man down the street, though, then you went one oh and one like me. So. All right, I'll take that, but um, I'm going to consider it still a one and one here. I Djokovic 3 0. Um, and he, he dominated Rublev just like he domi- dominated Demon Hour there. So we were able to take home some plus money on that pick. Um, we're we're going to see how Djokovic is going to go moving forward, but I feel like it's going to be maybe some of the similar. That match was an absolute clinic <laughs> from Djokovic, just watching the whole thing. Rublev entered the match looking like he had no chance to win. I don't even mean based on actual performance. I mean based on actual just s- mental state. Rublev entered the match and he came out extremely flat. It looked like he knew from the get-go, uh, this guy again, and then Rub- and Rublev immediately got killed in the first set and it was over from there. It was very windy, which was something that both players kind of had to adjust to, but Djokovic was so damn good. It's the second straight match he's played in where he's not gotten broken. So serving-wise, he's been incredible, and Rublev had a couple of break points, wasn't able to break through, and that was the story of the match because Djokovic was all over Rublev's service points or service games in every set. And Djokovic won each set 6-4 or less. It was really just a bloodbath. And Djokovic, it seems like it was a long time ago he had a hamstring injury because he just beat two separate guys that were ranked and one guy in the top 10. Rublev, I think, was sixth, right? He wasn't in the top five or was he technically top five? I'm trying to remember if he was fifth. Just in the tournament or overall ranking? Overall ranking, I know, is not in the top Six. five, but in this tournament, I believe he's fifth, correct? Um, I'm trying to think who is not in it, though, of the top. Alcaraz, yes, yes. Okay, so point is, he beat a top five guy in this tournament in straight sets handily, 
And now he faces Tommy Paul. And shout out to Tommy Paul. He ended up taking care of Shelton. Great run by Shelton. A round of applause for him. Got a little bit dicey there towards the end of the third set. He was up a break, basically two games away from advancing in straight sets. Then he choked, and he ended up getting broken twice. Shelton won the set, and then Tommy Paul broke immediately and coasted to a nice four-set victory there. Uh, But I do want to go through your thoughts on the match there. I guess we'll start off with the Djokovic match since you brought it up. But before we get into any of that breakdown, I want to take a quick word from our sponsors. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Game Podcast and Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. The NFL playoffs are here, and it's time to go. Th- it's time to bet on the NFC and AFC title games. So, if you want to bet on some same-game parlays, if you want to bet in the middle of the game, you can do so at WinBet. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get $100. Limited to state availability. And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportscampodcast.com slash winbets. And then I always send you sportscampodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change, term conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping how we did on the last episode for the quarters and kind of just an overall summary of the tournament up to this point. Now it's time to get into the fun part, which is the semifinal match breakdowns. And we're going to start off with Novak Djokovic. We're kind of going out of order in this one, but to be honest, I really don't care because we started talking about Joker, and it's going to segue us into our thoughts on his match. And you can tell Djokovic is pretty healthy because it's the semifinal of a Grand Slam, and he's minus 2,500 on the money line. This is one of the biggest lines I've ever seen for a semi on the money line, but it makes sense because Djokovic has been dominant for the last couple of rounds. And he's only dropped one set in the entire tournament, despite the hamstring plaguing him for the first couple of rounds. But Djokovic, he is currently minus eight and a half. Uh, Tommy Paul is plus eight and a half. I'm sure you could find an eight somewhere around where it's going to be more even towards the minus 110 apiece. The over-under is 30 and a half, juice towards the under at minus 115. And for the Total games on each player, if you want to go for the player props, Tommy Paul's 11.5 at minus 120 on the over, 11.5 on the under is minus 110, and Djokovic is under 19.5 at minus 160, over 19.5 at plus 130. Djokovic in straight sets is minus 200, and... Yeah, basically, you're just expecting Djokovic to roll here. You have some other props available, too, with breaks of serve and with aces and double faults and all that stuff. But, say I'm going to start off with you, since you have been on the Tommy Paul train all tournament long, but you've also cashed with Djokovic recently with the 3 nothing win against Rublev. I think we're both not expecting Tommy Paul to have an actual shot to win the match. I'll ask you this. Do you think Tommy Paul wins a set? Well... Um, I don't think I've ever seen uh, something like a minus 2,000 in a semifinal. That's what I'm saying. I've never seen it before. I'm trying to think of even Nadal in the French Open. I don't think I've ever seen 2,500 before. Yeah, it's just it's crazy just because we go back two matches here and Djokovic looks like he could be hurt and looks like he's only like a plus 110 to win the tournament here. And uh, just to go back to last match against Rublev, 
I thought that Rublev actually played pretty well. I think that he was pretty disciplined. He had some really, really nice forehands, ripped it down the line, ripped it across court. Of course, he had his unforced errors there, but I actually think he looked very, very disciplined compared to what I've seen him in the past. But even he says Djokovic is just the best he's ever seen him. And that's just wild when you just think about that he had an injury, what, like one week ago, maybe mm-hmm. less, or like in, in his performance versus Dimitrov. It's just absolutely wild. But um, I, I can't really, I can't argue against it because of how he's performed so perfectly against Demon Hour and Rublev that I, I'm not going to go against Djokovic here. I'm not, not going to say that Tommy Paul is going to be able to win us. Of course, somehow, you know, there is a chance that Djokovic's injury, like, flares up. Like, it's not impossible here, but I just am not going to go against him with how perfect his performance has been uh, against Rublev and Hour. Just high level. They both say it's the best he's ever played. Um, I just can't go against him and say Tommy Paul is going to win a set here. Yeah, I think that if you're going to beat Djokovic or even give him a run for his money, and Djokovic, assuming, is at relative full, relatively full strength. Let's say Djokovic is at 90%. If you're going to win a set off of him or if you're going to make a match of it, you got to you got to possess some unique attributes. you got to bring something to the table, whether it's a huge serve, a huge forehand, something that maybe can catch Djokovic off guard. Props to Tommy Paul for making it this far. But the issue is, I don't think he possesses any of those unique attributes. He's mostly a big rally guy who serves very well against Shelton. I'll give him props there. But he's not normally a great server in terms of the overall speed. He's fine. He can occasionally dial it up, but he mostly doesn't. And he's a big rally guy, as I said before. And you're not going to out-rally Djokovic in Australia. And I don't think that it's a good matchup for Paul, obviously, uh, besides the fact that Djokovic excels at everything. Tommy Paul doesn't do anything better than Djokovic, so I don't know what he's supposed to do in order to break through here. Djokovic over four and a half breaks of serve in this match is minus 185. They're expecting Paul to get absolutely just dominated, and I can't really disagree. Paul, you could also argue, might struggle with the overall, I'd say, size of the moment. On one hand, he's got nothing to lose because he's against the best player of all time. On the other hand, he has never been in a match this important in his entire career, and we've seen some players tighten up. So I think Djokovic could just destroy him early on, and if you go down a set to Djokovic, good luck coming back because most people don't. So I think Djokovic kills him. I think he's going to win probably in, I'd say, less than 10 ga- I'd say less than 11 games per set. I think it's 6-4 or less in every set. I think he's going to win comfortably. My favorite play is the under. I like under 30 and a half. I think Djokovic wins this match comfortably. I think you'll probably see a 6-2 in there. I think Djokovic is going to break him twice in a set, maybe multiple times. But I am going to go with the best player that I've ever seen in Djokovic against a guy who plays a similar style, but significantly worse. Not Paul's fault, because Djokovic is the best at the style ever. But I think Djokovic wins probably 6-4 or less in every set. My favorite play is the under 30 and a half. It's the only way you can find value with a minus 2,500 favorite. Yeah, I know. I couldn't have said it better myself with um, the unique attributes there. Tommy Paul is a very good tennis player. He's really shown us that he can produce well. He's consistently solid in a lot of areas, but I don't think he's top three in the world in anything, you know? 
Yeah, you need to have, like you said, a big serve here to throw Djokovic off his game, but he's kind of playing a game that Djokovic knows exactly how to play. So if if you're playing the same game, you don't, you can't really throw him off guard there. So I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, even if you see a 7-6, a 6-1 is out of hand in the least. Mm-hmm. So the under 30 and a half, I, I have to agree with. I see a prop. I don't see much value on it, but I see a prop. Djokovic to win, serve the most aces in under 30 and a half at plus 150. I think Djokovic will serve the most aces. He's been constantly serving more than Tommy Paul has. So if you want to get plus money and you want to um, go for something that you don't have to take uh, uh, minus 115, whatever, then you, you have that prop at plus 150 in your back pocket. I think the only thing that scares me from props like that is that if they tie on aces, you lose, correct? Uh, I'm assuming you'll lose because it's a three-part bet, and I'm assuming all of them have to happen in order for you to actually win. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so, so that's the only thing that scares me is that you're not even getting it. You're basically getting Djokovic minus half an ace. Uh, yes, which is also a prop here, and that prop is... Djokovic served most aces minus two twenty five minus a half minus two twenty five. Okay, so that's not, not necessarily really, terrible. Yeah, uh, but in minus two twenty five, you parlay with the minus one fifteen. I think it's a better path to plus one fifty. Probably, I'm not, I'm not positive. I think probably, but you also yeah, but you also threw in the under, and you're throwing in Djokovic uh, minus twenty five hundred. So the point is, you need a parlay calculator just to confirm or deny it. But I think we're on the same page here. Props to Tommy Paul. Good run. Cool story with his mother showing up right before the quarterfinal match, and they showed his mom in attendance uh, for that match against Shelton, which I thought was pretty cool. But I don't think he's got a shot in this match. Djokovic is the best player I've ever seen, and he's the best Australian Open tennis player of all time. I don't care what anybody else says. I I think that if you want to argue Nadal's better all time, be my guest. For Australian Open tennis, Djokovic is the GOAT, and he's undefeated in the semis and the final of the Australian Open. I believe he's 9-0 and in the semis and the final in his career. Never lost. Mm-hmm. So I can't go against that. So give me an easy blowout win by Djokovic and a couple of nice moments along the way for Paul, but nothing substantial, and Djokovic wins comfortably. Yeah, uh, with you on that one. Okay. Uh, so I don't have any value on the props, by the way. I don't really see much. However, I will mention that Djokovic, according to the site that I'm looking at, his aces prop is over under nine and a half, and Paul's aces prop is over under five and a half. So Djokovic is given basically a four ace head start in the props, so he should have the most aces. But to move on to the other match, the more competitive one, you have a matchup between Sitsipas and Kashanov. As you're looking at Sitsipas being a big favorite, he's minus 265 on the money line, minus four and a half games. Kashanov is plus four and a half at minus 120, and the money line the other way is plus four is plus a 225. The over-under for games is 40 and a half, minus 110 apiece. Uh, you can also get the over three and a half sets at minus 200, and then you have a bunch of alternative lines, and you have some aces and double faults and breaks of serve props. Sam, historically speaking, Sitsipas has kind of dominated in the head-to-head. Uh, however, Kashanov has looked really, really good in this event, and I thought he was going to beat uh, Korda last round. We kind of disagreed there, and he ended up getting it done. But I do want to ask you, though, since Sitsipas has been so good in the head-to-head, and since really besides the Sinner match, and Sinner's a top-ten player, 
Besides the center match, Tsitsipas uh, has been pretty comfortable throughout the event. So my question for you is, do you think Kashanov has a serious chance to pull off the upset? And if you do, do you think Tsitsipas is going to lose? Because looking at the head-to-head, Tsitsipas is 5-0. and up. Uh, Yeah, so I think that he does have a chance to pull up the upset. Do I think that it's going to happen? I do not, but I do think that it is possible. Uh, We've seen Kishana play some really, really good tennis lately, and if he's able to keep his service up, we talked about this in a prior podcast, about how he has to keep his service games up, and uh, his first serve up, I'm sorry, and then um, he'd be... That's his key to winning in the match. And I think it's the same thing here. He's got to keep his first service games up, uh, his first service points up. Uh, He's got to keep his aces up. And that's what he's been doing throughout this tournament. And that's why he's been gaining uh, such tremendous success. I just think that Tsitsipas is playing um, very good tennis. I think he's playing on top of his game right at the moment on this tournament. Um, so I do think that uh, Tsitsi passes mobility and is able to create some interesting shots for Hashanov is going to really throw him off guard. And at the end of the day, I think Tsitsi pass is going to probably win, but I do think that there is a chance that Hashanov can draw the upset. So I'm looking more on the over or the Hashanov spreads on this match compared to just going over to the Tsitsi pass side and thinking it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, uh, for me, I like Hakanov plus four and a half games. I think it's going to be a war. I think you might see four or five sets. Uh, Kashanov to win a set here is minus 275. So people are expecting a bit of a marathon match here, and I think you're going to end up seeing one. Sitsipas was very good against Leshika. Leshika was also in the biggest match of his career, and there were there were a couple moments where it might have gotten a little bit dicey, but for the most part, it was pretty easy for uh, Paz, but Kakanov had an even easier match against a better player in Korda. I love how Kashanov's played, and I think that he's got value to win the match. Paz, we know when things get tough, he can occasionally blink, and it could be a problem for him. I think Kashanov's got a good chance to win two sets. I think you're going to see a really, really long match. So I guess I might be leaning to Kashanov over 19 and a half games. I think you'll see a very long match where Kashanov has his moments, and I think he's got a pretty good shot to actually win the match. But I do think my two favorite bets in this match are going to be Kashanov plus four and a half games. And I'm a big fan of the over one and a half breaks of serve at minus 150. He did it for me last match. Unfortunately, it didn't count because Korda got injured. But you're looking at the matchups, historically speaking, and Kashanov and Sitsipas have broken each other quite regularly, actually. So neither guys had much success serving against the opposition. And I do think that Kashanov will have a bunch of breakpoint chances in this match. So I'm going to go with Kashanov over one and a half breaks. Even Leshika had opportunities against Sitsipas. Sitsipas just fought off all of them. I believe he fought. I believe he went six for six in break points saved. I want to pull up the actual stats there. But I know Leshika had opportunities against Sitsipas's serve. Uh, let me see the percentages here. He went eight for eight. So Leshika had eight break points and he failed all of them. So the fact is, it means Sitsipas's serve might be a bit overvalued because his opponents have had breakpoint chances. One and a half breaks of serve for Kak, for Kashanov. Doesn't that sound ins- extremely low? That sounds extremely low to me. Yeah, I was very surprised they even said that. Um, even in their last two out of three match, given it may have been, uh, it was on clay in Rome, uh, Kashanov was able to break him twice in that match. That's just two out of three. Um, 
I think that's kind of crazy that you're even able to get that number on there. I'm in total agreement with you. I like that over one and a half breaks for Hashanov in this one. Yep, but I'm also looking at the previous head-to-head matches, and uh, Sissy Paws dominated in Toronto. That was the last hardcore match they had, uh, 6-3-6-2. Hashanov uh, still had two break points in that match. I'm looking at the Rotterdam match, and that was a hardcore indoor match. That was a while ago. But you're looking at Sitsipas winning 2-1, to one, very competitive. It went 7-5 in the third set, which was the decider. I see something along those lines. It was 6-4 Kakanov followed by uh, 6-3, 7-5 Sitsipas. So I see that type of match where it's going to be a decent amount of games in each set. is going to be a bit of a war. And in those three sets, you're looking at the break numbers here. And each guy had at least four breaks. You had Kashanov, who had four breaks, he went four for nine on breakpoint chances, and Tsitsipas went five for nine in breakpoint chances. So in those three sets, Tsitsipas had to face nine breakpoints, and he was able to fight off basically half of them. But Kashanov historically has done pretty well against the Tsitsipas serve. The problem is Tsitsipas has done equally, if not better, against the Kashanov serve. So I think one and a half breaks is probably my favorite bet of the match there. Minus one fifty, really? Like I, I, I don't really care what the juice is there. That should be two and a half, in my opinion. Yeah, and you're talking about game um, matches that are two out of three. We now have three out of five. Yeah. So I, I definitely like that one and a half as well. I think he'll get his opportunities. And two is just—it's not—it's one. It's nothing. It's a—it's basically if it, if it goes five, it's every other set. If it goes four, it's every other set. So. Uh, I'm in agreement with you on that one. I, I like that over one and a half. I also do, I don't mind the total if you're scared that Hashanov's not going to pull off one and a half, which I think is ridiculous. If you, I also like the over five and a half at plus one hundred because of how many times these guys break each other. Yeah, and the five and a half I see a plus one twenty, which I think has a lot of value to it. But yeah, uh, I think my two favorite plays for Kashanov are going to be the plus four and a half games. I am tempted by that nineteen and a half for a game total, because I just mentioned a lot of their sets have been relatively long. You haven't had many tie breaks, though, which is a bit concerning because you kind of want that six-game set where he loses, and that would definitely be a nice boost for you if it ends up going four. But I'm going to go with Kashanov plus the four and a half games, and my favorite play is going to be the Kashanov over one and a half breaks of serve. Yeah, I also like Kashanov to serve the most aces in this one. He's consistently been doing it throughout the tournament. He's been every every match I see here. He's been matching up and beating him on on the aces. So do you have like the, the price on that? Minus one fifty. Okay, I was gonna say because I see the only type of aces prop that I see is going to be uh, the individual team totals, and you have Kashanov at thirteen and a half, and you have Sitsipas at eleven and a half. Yeah, it's minus 150 for him to have the most aces. Okay. I, I like that as well. Okay. Uh, but it seems like we kind of see eye to eye in both these matches. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, I, I think that the Tsitsipas-Hashan is going to be competitive, and the way that Joker's playing is just you can't really debate it or argue against it. So. Yeah, I think now that I think about it, I might actually lean a bit more into Kashanov. I think, you know what, let's have some fun. I think he's going to win. I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, Kashanov to win the match. All I right. think it's gonna I think it's gonna go four or five. So I probably would potentially consider taking Kashanov and both players to win a set, which might be a pretty decent payout, which I'll pull up quickly. But I don't know. The more that I think about this match, I think Sitsipas is a bit overvalued. I saw him against Sinner. He was up two nothing. 
Then it got very dicey, and he immediately punted the following two sets before Sinner just couldn't have first serve and lost in five. And I mentioned that he beat Leshika in straight sets, but once again, he went eight for eight in breakpoint saved. The point is, his serve has been quite vulnerable, and I think his serve's been worse than Kashanov's up to this point in the tournament. And Kashanov really made easy work at Korda. And I'm not exactly the highest guy on Korda. He had a great run in this event. But Kashanov has really been clicking, both with the forehand, the backhand, the serve. And he just made the semis in the in the U.S. Open. And Kashanov even said that he kind of reinvented himself uh, when it comes to his actual style of play. And it's paid dividends. Uh, that's why I don't know how much stock to put into the previous matchups because Kashanov has stated publicly several times that he's changed his style of play. And I respect him for being around for this long and for trying to tinker with what hasn't worked and try to figure out why it hasn't worked and what he can do to fix it. I think Kashanov's really poised to pull off the upset here now that I really think about it. But my favorite bets aren't going to change. I just think there's going to be some value on Kashanov to win the match. But if you can take him and each player to win a set, you can get that, unfortunately. Okay, I found it. Kashanov to win, and each player to win a set is plus 280. Mm -hmm. I'll take that. Yeah, that's not bad. I think Tsitsipas definitely will win a set there, so it makes sense. Uh, there's also a fun one. This is, uh, I don't think I've ever seen this before, but fun prop. Karen Kashanov come from a breakdown and win the first set and the match plus 2,000. AKA Tsitsipas breaks first in the first set, but Kashanov is able to break him back and then wins the first set and also wins the match plus 2,000. Okay, so I just have to at least point out that legalized gambling has resulted in some of the stupidest, most outlandish props I can remember. I'm not complaining. You know, we're all DGENs here. Hashtag DGENs only. But still, that's a very unique prop. It's called the Comeback King. I like it. The Comeback King Kakanov? The Comeback yeah, King Kakanov to be the Comeback Kid. Comeback King, not the Co Kid, the King. Comeback come King Karen Kashanov? Plus 2,000. I mean, that has a nice ring to it there. The alliteration, I mean, come on. that, that That's something that you're going to have to at least talk about if he ends up cashing it. But plus 2,000, I don't hate. We talked about how both guys break each other all the time. Yeah, if you like a, if you like to throw in a fun one on the on these matches, you want to have a big plus money to root for while you have your real plays going on. You put a sprinkle on the big plus money. Is definitely one to look at. Speaking of which, by the way, do you have the odds on Djokovic to not get broken in the match? I do have that. I do have just not broken or not face a break point. We'll talk about both. I don't think the value is going to be great because he has not been broken the last two matches. But I have to bring it up because we think Djokovic is going to roll. Not to lose a service game plus one twenty-five. Oh, what a not bunch of garbage! Face, <laughs> not to face a big point plus nine hundred. Okay. Not to lose a service game plus one twenty-five. Just that's just highway robbery. Ridiculous. Okay. Uh, everything I just said about that match and how tempted I was by that dis disregard it. That's awful. Terrible. Oh boy, that, that that's such a shame. Yeah, I mean that's just crazy odds. Uh, there is a prop, though. Uh, Djokovic to win every set 6-3 or 6-4 is plus 300. Djokovic to win every set 6-0, 6-1, or 6-2 is plus 1,000. I can't, I can't do it. That's just too crazy. You never it, it, know. It, it is so wild. There's going to be a 6-3, 6-4, and then there could be a 6-1. I mean, the previous matches have shown that. 
I'm trying to think what else uh, there is. Djokovic to hold his first three service games in the first two sets, minus 280. Unbelievable. It's, it's it's expected domination, so we're trying to find some value here, but whatever. I, I maybe wouldn't mind that 6-3-6-4 prop, but you might get a 6-1-6-2 there where Djokovic just rolls and you just lose at that point. So, yeah, I don't see much there, but it's always fun to talk about some of the exotic props. That comeback king one, I think, is actually kind of fun for, yeah, for Kishano, it's enjoyable. So. It's definitely enjoyable. It's enjoyable until he breaks first, and then you just lose immediately, but still. Uh, then you other have your that, other plays, and you're good. Correct. But other than that, though, it's kind of going to wrap up our breakdowns for the first two matches or for the semis. And of course, we'll be back once again later on in the week for the final. We might have a special guest spoiler uh, for the final. So stay tuned for that. But Sam, it is time to go through our favorite picks for the semifinal matches. I'm going to let you go first. What is your lock and dog? All right. Um, My lock, I mentioned it before in this podcast and i just i think it's uh the best play here uh well actually you kind of mentioned it um but it's going to be on Djokovic. i just think that he's going to be too dominant in this match um i was really the re- reason why i'm slowing down here is that i was really considering the serve the most aces at under 30 and a half but i'm not i'm not going to go for it i'm just going to go for the under 30 and a half at minus 115 i just think he'll be too dominant in this one and i think tommy paul plays pretty much the style of demon hour i think they're kind of comparable so yeah, i'm going to go they're very they're very comparable in my opinion the under 30 and a half uh total games in this match and what is your dog all right, I'm going to go over to the Tsitsipas match, and I'm going to go with a, I guess, a, um, a little bit of a plus money play here. Not not anything crazy, but um, I'm going to go with the, oh, I guess you could consider it, I don't know, plus 100, over five and a half total breaks in the Hashanov Tsitsipas match. I guess you could call it an, a a dog. I'm going to say it's a dog here. No, it, it is a dog. I, I found 120 on five and a half breaks. Beautiful. Plus an, over an, over five and a half, plus 120. These guys just break each other so often here. I definitely think Hashanov is going to hit the over one and a half. Um, I think that might be your lock. I'm kind of feeling that, but I think he's definitely going to hit that. I think it's a good play. Just a lot of juice to be my lock on this one. Um so I'm just going to go with the over five and a half total breaks of serve in this match, plus 120. Yeah, well, you read my mind there because I'm going to go with the uh, over one and a half breaks as my lock. I did this last episode and it pushed, but he went well over. He broke Corda all the damn time, even before the injury, and he ended up having four at that point. My lock's going to be uh, Kashanov over one and a half breaks. I can't say no to it. Sitsipas has been serving well. But he's also faced a lot of adversity, and he's served out of it in a decent amount. But the point is, I, I want to actually pull up the center stats against Kashana, against uh, sorry, against Sitsipas, because if I'm not mistaken, I believe Sinner was like four for twenty six on break points. I think it was something absurd, but I'm pretty sure Sinner had like twenty six break point chances in that match. Uh, let me pull this up. The answer is I am correct. Uh, Paz saved 22 of 26 breakpoint chances. So he's really not been serving as well as you think for Paz. I think that Kashanov's going to be able to get deep into these service games and make it a war and make it a battle. And I do think that you'll see him struggle to hold at various points. One and a half breaks is nothing for a three to five match that could go four or five. 
My lock's going to be Kashanov over one and a half. Laheka had eight break point chances. Sinner had 26. I'll take my chances on one and a half breaks for Kashanov there at minus 150. And for my dog, uh, I was torn for my lock between that and the over, I mean, the under 30 and a half games in the Djokovic match. So I'm going to go with an alt line. I'll take the under 29 and a half at plus 110. I see one 6 2 set in here, maybe less, but I think Djokovic kills him. And you just, you compared Paul to Diminour, which I agree with based on style. And I think that we saw how badly that worked out for Diminour. So I think that you're going to see Djokovic win comfortably. Uh, I'll go with an alternative total. I'll go with the under 29 and a half as my dog at plus 110. So once again, the lock for the show for Sam is going to be the under 30 and a half games in that Djokovic match at minus 115. His dog will be the over five and a half breaks of serve combined between Tsitsipas and Kashanov at plus 120. My lock will be Kashanov team total breaks over one and a half at minus 150. And my dog will be the alt total. I'll take Djokovic and Paul under 29 and a half games at plus 110. Did you, did you, I don't know if you realize this, but in the Tommy Paul Ben Shelton match, I don't know if you thought about this when saying your dog there, but Tommy Paul actually had eight backhand winners. That's huge. It changes. <laughs> it changes everything. What do you want me to tell you? I mean, I watched. I watched the match. It was. Yeah, it was definitely a game changer. Do you see a prop on that? Do you have under eight and a half with Djokovic under with uh, aces and whatever for plus five hundred? No, I only see the comeback king. It's unfortunate, but yeah, uh, it means nothing to me. Jo- Djokovic eats backhand winners for breakfast. Uh, I, th- I think he's ready to go in that one. But yeah, I watched the match, though. I thought Paul looked good, but you know. I understand. Yeah. That was a hell of a segue you had there, or a hell of a footnote you had to throw in for that match. But I did notice that Paul did have some problems converting on break points. He converted a couple of times. Shelton, though, great server. Phenomenal server for a guy who's basically 20. So we'll see if Paul can break through. I I do think Djokovic will face a break point at some point in the match. Let's not get crazy here. Yeah, I mean, I have the under 30 and a half, so I'm just completely with you. Yeah, I know. But you brought up the backhand winners. So uh, other than that, that's going to wrap it up for the semis. We'll be back once again, probably tomorrow night. I don't know what Sam's schedule is, but I feel like we probably can record the episode on Friday night. So we're yeah, going to yeah, pro- yeah. aim for tomorrow because we know he's going to play. So why not? And we might have a guest on with us. So keep an eye on that. But I'm going to keep the guest potential guest a surprise because in case it falls through, then I don't have to explain myself. So you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Uh, you can find me, of course, on this podcast, on the NBA Gambling Podcast, on the NFL Gambling Podcast. And with Sam, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me at, at Sam Jacob Tennis. I have not had an 0-2 uh, round this whole tournament. So you follow me for my picks over at, at Sam Jacob Tennis on Twitter. Yep, and you can find me on Twitter once again at Rice Show Radio. But <laughs> until next time, <laughs> I had to one-up you there at the end. Uh, but, uh, you know, as, of, as always, once again, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.